Helen's fault. Why is it always my fault? Y'all would have seen it on Twitter anyway. Welcome back to Mogging Your Ears. My name is Corey. Helen and April are with me. Hi, everybody. And we're here to talk about uh, one new one new series, one old series, as always. Um, we pulled a little audible. Uh, I was not able to get Wish from my comic shop in time, even though there was four weeks. Diamond. Yes. Uh, Diamond is uh, a fickle beast. Um, <laughs> so we're going to do that next time, definitely, though. Uh, but for this time, we're instead going to talk about Rakugo, Kisengin's uh, story, Shouag, Genroku Rakugo Shinshu as our old series uh, instead of the new series, and we'll be doing Spy Family as the. Um, I think we pronu- wait. Don't we pronounce it Spy X Family? I have no idea. I'm Jap- shipping Japan, the spy with the family. Japan never <laughs> pronounces X's in things, so I just took it out. <laughs> like Hunter Hunter or Holic. Not there. Yeah, I don't know what's correct. Anyway, uh, we're gonna talk about. Uh, Rakugo first, colloquially known as Rakugo, the full title, as I said, Descending Stories Showa Genroku Rakugo Shinju, which translates to uh, Showa the Era, Genroku the also the Era, Rakugo the thing that they do, and uh, Shinju means double to it in Japanese. Um, so uh, quite a title. Uh, the the uh, the manga is about um, this dude named Kikuhiko who is a, uh, at the beginning of the series, he is a, a very old, well, he's very old, he's a relatively old uh, Rakugo master. Um, I don't think he's actually very old. I think he's actually only supposed to be in like his 60s at the start of the series. He just went gray like real young. Okay. He also looks very frail. Um, yeah, he goes by the name Yakumo, but um, he was given the name Kikuhiko when he was a, a trainee. And then there was also, uh, what is his name, Yotaro, who is the the mainish character that we get introduced to at the beginning and he's trying to become uh, Yakumo's uh, student in Rakugo. Uh, he was a former delinquent who, who saw who saw Yakumo perform in a prison and just wanting to uh, wanting to know everything about Rakugo, wanted to do Rakugo because it, it changed his life that much. Uh, but almost, almost immediately we skip back in time to when um, Yakumo was a kid his name is then Kikuhiko, and he uh, he became uh, students uh, to the previous Yakumo with uh, this dude named Hakusutaro, uh, who later goes by Stupiroku, and that's the name that probably everybody knows him by. Uh, but this story is basically just about uh, about them doing Rakugo, about Yakumo being like a very bitter old man for reasons that you learn in the flashback. Uh, and uh, him wanting to take Rakugo down with him because he's he's just so bigger about stuff. Uh, but what do you two think? I still haven't been able to read the last volume since I guess my library just doesn't like me anymore. But I first came to this through the anime, which I think all three of us did probably, yep. since that got a simulcast and that was before the manga got picked up in English. Although sadly, the anime has not been picked up in English. 
which is sad since I think I like the anime version a little better since it goes more into the stories. And also the art is just kind of rough in these, <laughs> in these volumes. Like, there are some bad drawings of hands. Some very bad drawings. <laughs> yeah, and uh, as as our friend Ink says, he when you have this sort of, uh, this very verbal storytelling format, it works much better in animation than it does in manga. And not that not to say it doesn't work in the manga, the, I still like the manga very much, but... Uh, yeah, the anime is the preferred form for me to watch, or for me to consume this. Yeah, I started with the anime, too. I haven't seen all of it, maybe a handful of episodes. Um, and then I had a couple volumes of this and then got the rest for the podcast. I definitely think because it's a, like you, you all said, it's like an oral tradition that it's it's better in the anime, that part of it is. Um, but I got to read all the volumes, and I still, uh, I still really enjoyed the story. There's a piece in the last volume and Helen hasn't gotten to it so I can't say. There's a piece in the last volume and I was like, mmm. Oh no, uh, they got to that. If you're making oh, that, got to that. Okay, got to okay. that. Okay, yeah. There's that piece at the end. But other than that, um, I thought it was an interesting story about just a particular artistic craft and like sort of the generational clashes that you have um, when you want to do something different with it or uh, keep it the same that kind of stuff yeah, and you even see like the what I really like about the, the Rakugo performances especially in the anime is that you see the personalities come out very much uh, when so, when two people do the same story you can tell uh, the diversions uh, <laughs> that people take um, on, on each story and uh, and it's just like when you, when the Akuma does it, it's uh, it's much calmer. It has this, uh, as I said earlier, the bitterness to it. And when Sukuroku does it, it's much uh, livelier. It's much looser. Um, it's much more fun. And he's like trying to get a laugh, uh, whereas Yakumo is trying to um, tell the story, bring out the characters. I did. Um, so I've actually seen Rakugo in person since then. There's like one or two English performers who do it, so I've seen one of them. And I thought it was kind of funny that in person, Rakugo just seems to be much more about humor and getting a laugh out of people, while the anime, it's all super serious. And I'm wondering if it's more like that in Japan, if it's more super serious, or if this is just sort of like the sports anime thing where, you know, like every contest becomes this really serious contest, you know, this battle of wills. Is Rakugo a sports anime? Oh, uh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> I guess it's not. It's not competitive. I mean, I don't know. Some of these folks get real into it. <laughs> <laughs> they have the different levels. Like I enjoy learning about that. Like the different levels that that the trainees or the apprentices sort of went through to get to the top, as it were. That was interesting. Um, and I hadn't watched a lot of the anime, so I didn't know that the main focus of the story was actually on the older guy. Like I didn't know that until I read the manga. So I kind of liked that part of not that i didn't like the main character but i kind of like seeing the backstory of uh the uh, the other folks uh in the manga yeah in the anime it has like a, an extended first episode which is mm-hmm. basically the first volume it's establishing um who yakumo is who yotaro is who um Yakumo's ward, um, Konatsu is, all that. And then the entire first season is just, here's an extended flashback of how Yakumo has sort of fucked up his life a little bit in a very tragic sort of way. <laughs> yeah. And uh, to, to be clear, the the manga Skarks, I believe, in the 70s or 80s or something, uh, as in the first volume Skarks around there, 
and then uh, we flash back to the 30s, and then they go to the wartime period in which the previous Akumo and Sukuroku go to, uh, I think it's Manchuria, and they perform for the soldiers over there. Um, and then we go through like the rest of their uh, young lives up until a certain point, and uh, then we skip back to when Yakumo is old again, and uh, Yotaro is trying to learn from him. There are also two other characters that we didn't really mention yet. Uh, well, three other characters. Matsuko, who is the uh, Yakumo's retainer and driver, they, uh, he has, he's seemingly ageless. He uh, <laughs> looks like exactly the same throughout the all the series, even though he varies wild, wildly in age, obviously. Uh, to be Miyuki. fair, this series is also really bad at drawing people aging. Like, <laughs> it's so hard to tell. Like, the characters have to undergo, like, super dramatic changes. Like, Yotaro going from young man to, like, having a legitimate beer belly. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> to be like, oh, the time has changed. <laughs> yeah. And then there's also Miyokichi, who was uh, a love interest of both uh, Yakumo and Sukuroku. Uh, she mm, has a lot of stuff going on. Uh, and then Konatsu, who is the child of Miyokichi and Sukuroku. Uh, and, and, uh, and the present guy, the present, quote-unquote present guy, um, uh, she is someone who both is enamored with Rakugo through the, the parentage of Sukuroku and also wants to kill uh, Yakumo because of the story that he's told her about uh, him being responsible for the death of her parents. Oh, and to be clear... Uh, this story is, you know, like, it's set in the past, but it's not technically historical fiction. Around the time Yakumo is actually recounting, like, his past, you know, uh, here's how we got here to Konatsu and Yotaro, is around the 70s. That's actually when, like, the first women in our world began performing Rakugo um, professionally. Or maybe it was in the 70s, but the timing actually matches up really well. I think there was some note by the author that, yeah, it's kind of gotten a little alternate worldy since in the world of this manga, Yakumo has been so hidebound, he's actually held it back from changes. So that actually really irritated me so much since this is like a major goal of Konatsu's in some parts of her life that she wants to do Rakugo, but a woman has never performed Rakugo. So it, it just kind of felt cheap that that's both a major uh bit of consternation for a character, and yet it actually totally ignores what's going on in the real world. Mm-hmm. Especially because it seems like the author did extensive research, talked to people, went to like, uh, what's the word? I'm looking for? Not groups, but went to say it again? Performances? Yeah, that, I mean, went to performances, and I think she went to like, sort of groups for it and all that, and it sounded like she talked to um different people about Rakugo before she got started with the series so and I didn't actually know that until you said that so and there's like extensive extensive liner notes in the back where it's like here's some stuff that I read or uh, whatever um, in relation to Rakugo and some of those book or some of those references are like 12 deep or it's kind of ridiculous yeah and for the real world women performing Rakugo that was something I had on a hunch, so I ended up having to do like a deep dive on the Japanese Wikipedia with some bad Google Translate. But thankfully, we use the same number system, so I was able to look at years real easily. <laughs> <laughs> Good sleuthing. Yeah. Um, do you guys want my really hot take on the series? Always. <laughs> well, why not? Uh, I don't think Yakumo is gay or straight. I think he's ace. Hmm. I could go for that. That is my spiciest take. <laughs> I, I think he's either ace or he's bi. Because <laughs> I see a lot of folks who really just sort of want to say, oh, his dalliances with 
Neokichi were just that. They weren't anything serious. When I think he was definitely forming some sort of serious relationship with her on at least some level. And I also wonder if since I think this is the author's first, I mean, it's her first like non-BL, I think, and possibly her first like non-pornographic series. So I think that also definitely was influencing some people into like shipping Yakumo and Sukiruku. And there's also definitely a very deep connection going there as well. But I just get kind of mad when I saw so many people talking about the series when the anime was airing, being like, look, this character, he's never had a stated interest in men or women. He must be gay. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> You've I mean, not he seen him attend to fuck anybody. <laughs> he obviously has some sort of relationship with both uh, Sukuroku and Miyokichi, whether that is... Um, Romantic, yeah, romantic, sexual, sexual whatever. I, I don't know if it's some sort of a relationship at the very yeah. least. Um, but it seems like, at least with Miyokichi, it seems like he he was very reluctant to. They were both very reluctant to get closer to each other because it felt like they, uh, or at least to me, it kind of felt like they both didn't feel uh, they were worthy of each other, um, just because of like some stuff that went on in the Akumo's past with him being ditched by, uh, what was it, like a geisha house or something, because he had a knee injury. Yeah, uh, so he was, can... yeah, he's a boy born to a geisha house, which sounds like it was already a bit of a iffy position for him, since obviously he couldn't have been trained to be a geisha himself. Yeah. And so he was being trained a lot in traditional Japanese dance, but he had an injury pretty young, which is why he was essentially dropped off at the former Yakumo's place to learn Rakugo instead. Yeah, he... And Miyokichi definitely has like a, an extensive past as sex work. That mm-hmm. seems to be how she met various members of the cast when they were over in Manchuria. He, and uh... some people have done some, not exactly analysis of the show, but they have shown that her appearance, like what she's wearing, varies quite a bit depending on which members of the cast she's currently dating. So that sounds like somebody to me who's doing it a lot for survival. And, you know, when it's your livelihood, that could definitely complicate having feelings and relationships with other people, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then Yakumo's relationship with Sukuroku seems more like uh, Sukuroku was a kind of Rakugo that he wanted to do, and Yakumo wanted to do, and he was never able to do. So he he holds that now that Sukuroku is dead, he holds that um, sort of on a pedestal, like, uh, this is the thing that I want to attain and I'll never attain. It's a weird kind of relationship with those two, whereas Sukuroku just wants to bug to hang out with them. I mean, Sukuroku really did want to inherit the Yakumo name as well yeah. for some reasons I get revealed pretty deep on. I think I always interpreted their relationship as one where Yakumo was initially very jealous of Sukiroku and not quite realizing it ran the second way as well. And part of that mm-hmm. is was also because it just took like absolute ages for Yakumo to find a way that he enjoyed telling Rakugo the kinds of stories that worked for him. Because yeah. I remember there was a whole subplot about how like the more erotic stories actually work better when he's telling them than like the more body stories, but they were banned for a while. <laughs> because and of it, the wartime period. Yeah, like, I, I don't know, I don't want to distract people with sexy time stories. I don't know. Yeah, but. I, I have no idea why, but it was a thing. Yeah, and so like it's actually interesting that he really sort of comes into this moment when he and Tsukiroku are they're putting out a play. I forget the exact reasons why, but he's Yakumo is doing this character who... Um, in the play, appears first as a woman, and then it's revealed that it's a man who is be who has disguised himself as a woman, and he really revels in his ability to um, just switch back and forth between two such distinct personas there. 
and that's when he really seems to come into his own. But this is years after Suke Roku has already been like gaining prestige and being mm-hmm. very comfortable in this life that, in a way, he chose, but that Yakumo hadn't up until that point. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's uh, that's another thing where the anime does it much better than the manga. Uh, I mean, the manga has some like facial expressions when he goes back to doing Yakumo with the more uh, the more feminine touches to it. But uh, the the voice that Yakumo inherits not inherits but like uh, inhabits is what I mean. Um, the voice that he inhabits when he does it uh, is is much more evident in the in the anime because it works better. I don't want to keep on the manga for this because I, st- I still really like the manga but like th- those kind of things come out much much easier and much better with sound and it was a really good adaptation and it's also kind of funny that's a it's a story about storytellers and yet the manga like it very often just crosses over like entire stories but the anime makes a per makes a point to every single time have the characters like do out the entire story basically which mm-hmm. must have been fun for the voice actors since there's like the juge mu story in there at one point <laughs> so i'm just wondering how many takes it must have been to get that name right <laughs> yeah. i wonder if that has to do with uh, them just knowing they'll need a little padding the the end of the manga and the beginning of the anime kind of overlap a little so they throw all the whole rakugo scene in and then we can mm-hmm. uh, then we won't definitely won't run up with the end. Yeah, and like April alluded to earlier, there is an interesting choice at the end of the story. Like, it is a detail you are free to ignore and keep going. Mm. I- I've seen some people say that there's, like, some sort of supplemental chapter or there was some extra detail in the manga. I wouldn't know since that's the one volume I haven't read. That seems to suggest that it should, that a certain event should, in fact, be read the other way than it first initially appears. But at the same time, it's just like, no, stop it, no. <laughs> this is a bad idea, these are bad choices by the characters. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to say about that one, because obviously it would spoil it, but yeah. I was like, oh, that was unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, that's about the best summary of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a lot, just a lot. Uh, all right, uh, does anyone have any closing thoughts before we take a break and head on to our next series? Um, I think it was a good series, and I think it wrapped itself up well in ten volumes. It didn't feel too short and didn't feel too long. Um, so I, I'm glad to have read it. Yep. Somebody licensed this damn anime. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I agree. Uh, I'm looking back on our um, on our 2017 year-end anime lists, and it was on it was on three of our lists. It would, probably would have been on uh, mine and Chris's as well, but I think we just knew that Jarek and Ink were going to talk about it, so I'm putting it on there. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> was that one of the years I was on the show or not? Yep, you were on there. No, you had your guys your top. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> I should really start remembering this, but... That's uh, what I have written down, so you don't have to remember. Uh, but yeah, uh, I love this manga, and I love the anime, and it is just super good, and you all should read slash watch it. Whichever method you prefer. I will not begrudge you. <laughs> Alright, let's uh, take a short break and then we'll be back to talk about Spy Family. Spy X Family? Who knows? I'm gonna call it Spy X Family. <laughs> back y'all all right and now in a very different turn from what we were just talking about as is pretty usual on this show 
We're talking about a current series which doesn't have any print volumes out yet in the U.S., but this is just announced that they will be putting it out next year. And it is the currently running... Uh, this puts it underneath their Shonen Jump section, but I don't believe it runs in weekly Shonen Jump itself. Uh, manga, which I've decided I'm calling Spy X Family, so there. Uh, <laughs> it's set um, maybe a little bit in the past in, you know, some, some country that seems to be like fictional Eastern European country under communist bloc. You know, vague setting, but, you know, just enough to keep us going. And there's a fight going on between two countries. So, you know, each country is sending their best spies over, trying to one-up the other. And so the top spy of one country, whose code name is Twilight, is told that um, there's a very important mission. He needs to um, infiltrate, like, this minister's inner circle on the other side. And the best way to do this is going to be to go through his family. So his son attends this school. Uh, you need to be enrolled within the next seven days, so go get yourself a, a wife and a family in seven days. <laughs> Twilight is just sort of incredulous about his initial assignment, but he's like, okay, we're going to have to at least make an attempt at this. And so he, you know, sets up a false identity for himself, and he goes to an orphanage to try and pick out some sort of smart kid that can get into this super elite school. And he finds one named Anya, and she seems really smart, but she's filling out these crossword puzzles and <laughs> pretty much predicting what he's going to say. What he doesn't know, however, is that she is actually an esper. She's, like, escaped from some government facility or something. So she doesn't... Anya's, like, average five, six-year-old intelligence, actually. She's just reading his mind to get all the answers. So, okay, he's got a kid. Now he needs to find a wife. And through an odd set of circumstances, uh, he meets up with this young office woman. And her brother's been pressuring her to get married anyway. And she's worried because she's hearing all these rumors that, like, the country's secret police, you know are suspicious of unmarried young women, they might be spies. So she's looking to get married as well. Um, her name is Yor, and she is an assassin in her spare time. <laughs> you know, she and her brother, she had to raise them alone and needed the money, and apparently she's just really good at killing people. So now the three of them live together as a family. Anya's the only one who's aware of all of this, and she can read minds since Yor and Twilight, who's going under the name Lloyd, have no idea about each other's secret identity. And so now they're having to, like, sort of fake this family relationship like they're you know they're going out to aquariums and museums so that Anya can say they have a cultured family life or when George's brother actually comes over to check out you know if they're married or not the two of them are like putting up the special cover on the bed you know to make it look like they really are a couple <laughs> and so it's a lot of comedy there's a lot of action in there as well it's just really well balanced all around and Believe it or not, there are multiple other currently running series about spies, like I have been reading them, and this just feels totally different from those, and totally different from most of the other manga as well. Like, I think it's probably a shonen manga by demographic, but it's one of those where easily, basically, any reader could pick it up if they enjoy, like, thrillers or good comedy at all and enjoy it, so I'm really digging the series, guys. <laughs> yep. This is my last-minute suggestion for when Wish fell through. It's like, well, this one is short, at least. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it looks like uh, in Japan, this is published on Shonen Jump Plus, which is a digital publication from Shueisha. Oh, okay, yeah, they, they've done a couple things from there as well, like Astra Lost in Space. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Um, yeah. That that thing started in 2014. Uh, the actual manga started very recently, because there's like 14 chapters or something right now. 15. 15, okay. 
but yeah, I love this. Uh, I first heard of it from uh, our friend Pax uh, on Twitter, and then I just uh, I basically like mainlined it all in about a week. Um, not that it's very long. Uh, like, Honestly, you could do it in a day if you yeah. have enough time. Yeah, I was reading it before bag, so time was scarce. But uh, yeah, it's just highly enjoyable, hilarious, uh, and I love the the dynamic of like nobody knowing what the other one is, and they all have to like keep that secret, uh, except somehow like knows how how to fight very very competently. And it's just like, oh, I know self-defense, and they just roll with it. And that's, it's uh, very humor. I like it. Yeah, so I just started reading this today for the podcast. Um, and it's, uh, I think I've mentioned this in other episodes, but I'm not a huge comedy person. I mean, this is really funny. Like, I've laughed several times. There's a, I don't remember what chapter it's in. It's in the beginning. There's a joke about what he does, and he says something like that he's... <laughs> <laughs> that he's a psychiatrist or something similar and he tells the girl that like oh these, <laughs> these are my patients or something I think maybe they're I think they try to ram them with a car and she's like are those your patients and he's like yeah like they just they're having delusions or something like that I don't know it was incredibly funny like I laughed out loud that's how funny this series is so far and I'm like seven <laughs> chapters into it and I've laughed like really laughed like two or three times <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny I don't know the comedic timing is really good because like Corey said you have all these people that don't know what the other one does and then you have a six-year-old that you know makes it even funnier and Anya in some ways is this very serious child like she is both a goofy six-year-old and also is very seriously aware that her like how well she does at school is going to determine possibly world peace so she's taking things very seriously like there's an interclass dodgeball match in a recent chapter where she thinks that, you know, like some for school points might be on the line. And it turns out when you're an esper, it's a lot easier to dodge dodgeballs because then you know where they're being thrown. <laughs> so it has a lot of really goofy moments like that. Or like this school is super elite that she's going to. They start testing you as soon as you come in. Like they'll have like other students out there to waylay you and get you muddy or something, <laughs> which happens to them. And Lloyd's like, no worries. I thought this might happen. So I brought another change of clothing. And so all the observers are just like, wow, this is really impressive. He definitely has the elegance, you know, to send his child here. Yeah. There's this one dude, the, one of the kickers is just like obsessed with elegance. And he says, so elegant. And he's like so over the top and sells, sells the, uh, the elegance of the the family just so well and of course it doesn't help that the classmate um of anya is the one who's the son of this high up minister she has like completely gotten on the bad side of him on like the first day um i think she maybe punched him i don't remember yep. he deserved it Punch but him. now he's since she's the only person you know to ever treat him like that he's getting like kind of like sundari love for her as well. <laughs> oh gosh it actually Things works better than i would normally say it does so. <laughs> But yeah, there, there's just a lot going for the story. Um, I really wish the Japanese side hadn't requested on some really stupid names, since initially they were spelling Lloyd like L-L-Y-O-D, you know, like an actual name. But now the recently they've said, no, it has to be spelled L-O-I-D. And just, oh, 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 oh. The fan theory is that the Japanese side doesn't want to make it like too similar to any particular country but it's like no that's stupid like that's not a name like that was a name and you got rid of it <laughs> but yeah this series is only 15 chapters right now so it's super quick for anyone to catch up with if they've got a subscription on visit service it used to be on manga plus but now they've removed a lot of the middle chapters probably because it was going over to Viz. that seems to be um 
the modus operandi for Manga Plus at this point. I'm fully expecting this will get an anime at some point once it has enough chapters, since it seems like it's doing really well in Japan right now as well. So anyone who likes comedy, go jump on this, please. You, you will enjoy it. Yep. <laughs> okay, well, like 99% of you will enjoy it. Maybe 1% of you won't enjoy it, and then I'm sorry, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I started to read it, and I thought, that, well, this has to have an anime, and I Googled it, and it does, and I didn't realize that it was that new. I'm like, this has to have a series out. So, But I imagine it, it'll get one. Yeah, do you guys have any other final thoughts? Like, any predictions for what kinds of other weird twists we might get? Like, I keep feeling like something's going to turn out to be of yours actual office work. Like, they keep making enough hints that, like, her manager is, like, someone kind of high up. That there's got to be something weird shady going on behind the scenes she hasn't noticed yet. Yeah, I don't have any predictions yet. I've got to finish the, the rest of the chapters. I probably will do that tonight. I'm just enjoying it because it's funny. <laughs> so, And that's a rarity for me. And it's, it's really, really funny. Because at first I'm like, I have no idea what this is about or where it's going to go. But it's super funny. Yeah, I don't have any predictions either. Uh, I, I think Viz should probably put some better descriptions on the jump thingy because I, get, <laughs> I click through all the new ones and I'm like, eh, this sounds boring, this sounds boring, this sounds boring. But it's also like half a sentence description because like sell your thing a little better on the on the app. Mm. Yeah, it says an action-packed comedy about a fake family that includes a spy, an assassin, and a telepath with no Oxford comma there, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> Very important. This is... This is an Oxford comma podcast. I don't care if either of you have objections. It just is. No, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really need more than just that one line to really sell people on this series. I agree. Yeah. Well, with that, um, I think we're done for the week. Um, always good to talk to you guys. And if you want to have any suggest, want to give us any suggestions or leave any comments of your own about these two series, feel free to tweet at us at Mung in Your Ears. Uh, if you have any thoughts about our show in general, you can leave us a review at wherever you subscribe to this podcast, since I know that we are on quite a few services right now, because let's face it, podcasts are in, podcasts are everywhere these days. And you can also feel free to tweet at each of us individually. I'm at Wandering Dreamer, and you can also find me sometimes doing reviews over at the OSG when I have the mental energy after work. And you can also find me co-hosting the OASG's podcast. And you can find me on Twitter, at Passionate K, where I tweet about Spy Family and Rakugo with various manga panels that are various quality. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Mondurant. I am alive, and I'm assuming that people still follow me for the podcast. So I am there. And with that, folks, we'll see you again in a couple weeks. Bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs>